Sure. Um, I think I think two weeks ago I was here leading the service. No, was it last week? Last week. Before that, we've not been for some time, so we've really missed many of you. It feels like we have a gap every week. We don't get to care with you guys and just chat and connect with you folks. So it's such a blessing for me to be here with you tonight. And uh, we were we were in um, uh, close to Friedendal. Um, we drove through Friday, and um, we did a marriage enrichment with some couples, and then we drove back yesterday about half, quarter past three, half past three. So um, I can feel I'm getting older. I'm not used to driving eight hours in a day and a half. Um, but I'm refreshed this morning. We had a good rest today. Um, and uh, yeah, I just, <coughs> with these couples, um, being in ministry, and a lot of us, and I think some of you are exposed much more than what I am, but uh, the couples, the men had finished about two or three liters of, of whiskey or brandy by the time we started off last night. So this, this was a, a rough crowd. It wasn't a Josh Jen crowd. It's, it's leaders that are possibly looking into us, you know, at 412. So and that was, that was quite riveting, you know, to see that. And I was excited, actually. It's a challenge. I love it. They were sober while we were sharing, so we're grateful for that. They must be used to lots of alcohol, you know, that didn't hit them that badly. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but very broken. Yo, I'm telling you, uh, broken beyond one's understanding. The world is broken, folk. I mean, we are broken, but the world's more broken. Luckily, we have a Savior that wants to touch and heal us. So tonight, we're talking about mending the nets, just to follow up on what Hendra shared last week. And I'm just going to kick off with sharing a personal story. Um, many years ago, we were part of a church, and um, a lot of things happened in this church amongst the leaders that, that actually poked me massively, and I did sit with significant offense. And, and, and our relationships were broken uh, in many ways. None of you know this church, so I can talk about it. It's far away from you. It's not part of this province. Um, you don't know the people there. And uh, so what had happened is the senior leader, I was one of the pastors. We were a, a large team of 10 to 11 pastors, a, me a mega church. And the senior guy um, favored his son that had come on the team. And they would have meetings outside our meeting and then decide things. And then when they get to the meeting, they kind of manipulate us to agree with them. And, uh, and, and then also the senior guy would often just lash out in meetings at you, like shout and scream. You can't believe that happened. Um, and, and then we would start like programs, the divorce recovery, and have a whole team running with it. And then... They would hear, but somebody that's for many years in the church wants to leave the church, and then they'd say, no, 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 let's give them the divorce recovery. We can keep them in the church. So there was a lot of, you can hear, it's not right, a lot of things not going well there. And I too, we left the church. Eventually, God released us. We prayed long that the Lord would release us, and the Lord did release us. Um, but then I had to work through forgiveness, significant forgiveness. And, uh, and I sat with offense, real anger, real, in, in some ways, hatred. 
How can these people call themselves Christian leaders and they doing this? And, um, but I knew what Scripture said. I have no option but to forgive. I have no option no matter how, how cruel I felt I was being treated and, and uh, un, unrighteously, unjustly. And so, yeah, we came and it took me, I would say, about two years. But it started off with me submitting my will to God's will. It's me saying, your word says, I must forgive. As you forgive me, I have to forgive. And so I said, Lord, I surrender my will to you. I choose. I mechanically beat my body to submission. Have you heard that scripture? Paul says, beat your body into submission. I literally said, I, I've, I did self-talk. Mac, you will forgive. You've got no option, but you must. I don't want to go to hell. I must forgive. Nobody's going to get it. I, I will not take offense. You know, that offense is um, never given. It's always taken. You know the meaning of that? Offense is never given. It's always taken. So I can go to Henry and slap him, spit in his face, tell him off, tell him the worst horrid things. He's the most amazing young man. I'll never do it by God's grace. But had I had anger... <laughs> And hatred towards him, I could do that. He chooses whether he becomes offended or not. I can never force him to take offense. So people were, were burnt at the stake, guys. People today in China are being thrown in jail. They take steel wool, they, they push it down their throats and out so they can deny Christ. They pour boiling oil like they did with John in today in China, Middle East. Strip girls bare, uh, connect electric charges to them, unless they deny Christ. Today it's going on. More people are being persecuted for the name of Christ. But you know how many of them say, Daddy, Mom, own family, doing it to, to Muslim girls that become Christians. They'll say to their dad, Mom, I love you. Jesus loves you. Don't do this. But I'll forgive you. While they're doing it, to them, I forgive you. Burning at the stake. They forgive them. While they are being burnt, not today, we don't, but, uh, but about a thousand years ago, they would burn people that chose Christ and, and, and lived for Christ. They would burn them at the stake. And while they are being burnt, they would say, Jesus loves you, folks. Turn to Christ. This is not the right way. But I forgive you. I bear you no grudge. I bear you no ill feelings. But turn to Christ. He's the way. He will deliver you. While they are being burnt, they confess this stuff. So they chose not to take offense. They were trying to give them offense, but they would not take it. So it's your choice. It's all of our choice. So I had to work through forgiveness, and I did, by God's grace. So our relationships are horizontal and vertical. I think that's the most basic. We have horizontal relationships, and we have vertical relationships. So our relationship, obviously, vertically is with God. How's our relationship with God doing? And how is our relationship with family members, people in the folk, your comp members, your lecturers, brothers, sisters, uncles, aunts, uh, Christian brothers and sisters, uh, family members, world people that you work with, some of you work with colleagues. Those are all your horizontal relationships. And the thing is, many of them are damaged, are hurt, are broken, but... Some of them are not necessarily hurt or broken or damaged. They're just weak. 
and they need, they lack attention, some of these relationships. They lack intimacy and they lack effort. Now, I'd like to ask you a question. Is it possible to have healthy relationships horizontally between you and people around you if this relationship is not healthy? Where do we start to have horizontal healthy relationship? We start with relationship with God. And if this relationship is in place, if this vertical relationship is healthy, then we start experiencing health on a, on a horizontal level between us and other people. And these are the areas we need to mend. So, before we kick off about horizontal, there are only two basic points in this whole message tonight. It's love and forgiveness. We didn't start, and you were so prophetic this, this evening. God, cover us with your love. So, let's talk about love a bit. If you and I have truly tasted the love that God has for us, if we truly know how much Jesus loves you and me, then we look at people differently. Then people that offend us and hurt us, spit in our face, backbite us, rob us, gossip about us, have an attitude towards us, family even molest us, even rape us, even verbally assault us, if we have been filled with the love of God, if we know how much Jesus really loves little old me, little old me, he, if you've tasted how much Jesus loves you and I, then suddenly we start looking at others with a different perspective. Suddenly we have empathy for others because His love softens our hearts. His love melts our hearts. His love changes the lenses that we look at ourselves because we have to forgive ourselves sometimes as well, not only others. And sometimes we have to forgive God. Sometimes we have an issue with God. So if this relationship is not healthy, this will never be healthy. It's impossible. And I've discovered the only way for me to see people through the eyes of Christ is to know the eyes of Christ. To see people with the heart of Christ is to know the heart of Christ. To see people with the love that God has for them is to taste and see that God is good. And I have to pursue to find out how much He loves me. Because then I can look at you and you can come with an attitude, an arrogant attitude, a boastful attitude, or a self-pity attitude, or an arrogant attitude, or a, I don't know, whatever. And I look past that and I see your brokenness because I have the love of God in me. And no matter what you throw at me, I look past that and I say, this guy is coming across so, so confident, but actually is covering an in inferiority. This guy is coming across so, so sure of himself. Or this guy is coming across so broken, but actually he sits with disappointment. And when I am filled with the love of Jesus, I look through the lenses of Christ at others. And I have empathy. And I see them with the grace that God has for me, I have for them. The grace that we receive, God expects us to give out as well. And then suddenly I realize, I come to the realization, God just imparts in my heart, hurting people hurt others. Have you noticed that? Broken people break others. How many of you have been hurt by hurt people? 
How many of you have hurt others because of your own hurt? Especially siblings, eh? Fathers and mothers. Shame your poor siblings have gone through. Hell with all of you now, I'm just teasing. So, let's look at four, four basic points under the topic of love. How to taste and see this love. Four practical suggestions. How do I, if I say, Lord, I realize I have a lack in knowing how much you love me. Because if I know he loves me, it heals all my fears, all my insecurities, all my apprehensions, all my inferiorities, all my arrogance. You cannot taste the love of God and think too much of yourself. It's impossible. Because his love shows you your brokenness and then shows you how much he loves you despite your brokenness. And that cannot uh, 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 breed pride. The love of God shows you your brokenness, shows you where you need him, shows you how much he loves you, shows you how he accepts you. And how can you be proudful then? If you've really tasted the love of God. And I believe, including myself, we all, most of us, have a deficiency in experiencing and tasting how much God loves us. Guys, I want to encourage you. Make your life mission, life mission, your life purpose to discover how much Jesus loves me. You will be victorious. It's the only key to victory I've learned in my life. And I want to bore you with my long growing up years, which was broken. Like all of us have got broken up, brokenness in our growing up years. And even after that. But the love of God transforms us. So the first point is to meditate. There are many other points. One point. To meditate on 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8. That's the love chapter. And it says, love is this. You know who God is describing actually here? He says we must act this way. Who is he describing actually? Himself. He's describing himself. He says, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8. Love is patient. Love is kind. Patient. Kind. So God, now I know we must live this out. How can we live this out if we have not tasted it from God? If that's not been revelation knowledge to our hearts, how do we live this out unless we've experienced it in our very being from the Lord himself towards us? Amen? We cannot have healthy, horizontal relay, mend those nets, unless this net is sorted out. So now, I must realize God is patient with me. And then sit down and say, Lord, how patient are you with me? And write pages. Fill up a whole notebook. I mean, how many pages do you write to answer your questions in exam? The, I used to have philosophy in Potts University, just like a little side note. At Potts University, you, you, you had to have philosophy. Who studied? Who, who's ever, does anybody ever know anybody that studied at Potts? Maybe some of the older folks? Ah, you also. Pukka, ne? Opaka, we're opakas. We had to do philosophy. You, no matter whether you studied chemistry, whether you studied law, whether you studied BA language, you had to do one, am I right, in philosophy, you say. So, I would fill in the philosophical paper. I'd get 78, 85. It's not hard to get a high mark there. Hey, it's not hard. <laughs> well, I, I, I think I'm just philosophical. But then the lecturer 
would write a note in my answer thing. He says, you write so little, I so enjoy what you write. Then the other, the other kids fill three, four, I just get to the point, get to the point. I don't want to waste my time. I've got a lot of other things to do. I don't want to waste my time running a whole lot of nonsense about philosophy. So just give me the answer and get, get, get over and done with. So I don't know why I'm sharing that. So <laughs> am I bragging? I'm bragging now. I'm sorry. So love, it's a fact. So God, ask the Lord, Lord, how patient are you with me? Lord, how kind are you? Love is kind. God is kind. Lord, show me how much you don't envy. Lord, show me how little you boast. Show me how, how you are not proud. Lord, show me how you will never dishonor me. Lord, show me how you are never self-seeking. You always have my best interest on your heart. Show me how you are never angered because you poured out all your anger on your son. He carried the wrath of God. Explain that to me. Open that up to me, God. Make it revelation knowledge. Show me how much of the anger that you had for sin you threw on Jesus Christ. Show me that, Lord. Explain it to me. And write pages. Build a relationship with God. Get to know the Lord, that you can taste and see that He's good. You can taste His love. Lord, show me that you do not delight in evil, but you rejoice with truth. Show it to me, Jesus, that you, that you have no, no respect for evil, but you always want the best. You always believe. There's a, another translation is you always believe the best of us. It's another way to translate that, that piece. Does not delight in but rejoices with truth. It always protects, Lord, that you always protect me. Show me that. That you always trust. Wow. Do you trust yourself? I don't trust myself. Do you trust yourself? God trusts me because he knows he's in me. He can only trust him because he trusts himself in me. And that he will make a way. Even though I duff up 10 million times before, before I come right. Many of us have, have duffed up how many times? I can think of one specific guy, but I won't call you out here, who's duffed up many times, unless he wants to say his name. But in any case, praise God and God's miraculous work. All the glory to God. All the glory to God. Many of us are there. So I can't point fingers. I've also duffed up. God always trusts, always hopes. God, show me that you always hope. So if you, you, you're at your last, you have no more hope. You've given up. God has hope for you. Who's felt, this, is, this has gone too far. I can't anymore. No. My mother and father's fighting has gone on too far. I'm breaking down. The enmity, the anger, the uh, hatred towards me from a sibling or a friend or whatever has gone on too much, too far. Who's felt that? I want to give up hope. You know what? God doesn't give hope. He'll give up hope on you. He's got hope for you. God is professional. He's, he's got a, a million doctorate degree in fixing up messes. He's a fixer-up of messer-ups. So say, thank you, Jesus. You're a fixer-up of this messer-upper. You want to say it with me? You're a fixer-upper of this messer-upper. And God is a God of the impossible. Which is impossible for us is not impossible for Him. 
I want to encourage, I've seen it. I've had 53 years of the impossible becoming possible in my life. And I can tell you many stories like many of you can tell me your amazing stories. He always perseveres. He doesn't give up on you. Until the day that you die, he'll always persevere. There are such powerful testimonies of people in their deathbed and God scooping them out. They're getting saved by the skin of their teeth, by the seat of their pants. But they get saved. Powerful, powerful. Love never fails. Say, Lord, show me how your love for me, no matter what I do, will never, ever, ever fail. So meditate on 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8. For example, second thing that you can do practically to find out how much God loves you. Ask Him every day. I've actually mentioned already. Ask Him every day to reveal His love to you. And then go into that day with an expectation. Don't ask Him and not focus on seeing it. And not being attentive to notice it. Go into the day with faith to see it. Don't waste God's time by not having faith. God is pleased with faith. So go into that day expecting God to pitch, to show you. And I'm telling you, He will. He's done it for me. I'm not His favorite. And He will every day go into the day with an expectation that God will show you an aspect of His love for you today. Third thing, ask Him to show and remind you evidence of His love in the past. So in your quiet time, in your journaling, Say, Lord, remind me of your goodness of last week, a year ago, two years ago. And it's amazing how God brings back to memory things that have happened. I mean, I should have been dead a few times with car accidents. When I've stopped at a red robot for no reason, but there's a God reason, and a car chases over the road. That car would have been into my car. How many of you have experiences like that? You should have been dead. And you know, God has just saved my life. We were driving in Romania. I was ministering there to a bunch of students. I was 23 years old. And um, I was fast asleep. And we crossed a railway line. And the next minute, literally millimeters behind us, a train, a train came across. Just hooting, honking their horn. Just missed us. And the guy suddenly started speeding for no reason. As he got to the railway line, we didn't see the train. It didn't have a light on. We didn't even hear it. It was pitch dark in the night. We should have been dead, for example. So, Lord, remind me. Give me evidence of the past. And write them down. Write, write all these uh, um, revelations down. The fourth thing. When you are down and out. Tomorrow morning you wake up and you are really depressed. You really do not have energy for this exam laying ahead. You do not. You, oh, Lord, it's like a mountain. I cannot climb this mountain. That you sit down and you say, Jesus, I'm empty. Jesus, fill me with your love. Please, right now. And you wait for him. And his spirit will come. As I feel it right now. I sense the spirit come. You feel it? You wait on God. And you expect it from God. He is love. He wants to fill you. with Moments that I've done that. I've experienced electricity flow through my body. Who's experienced God's electricity? Those of you that haven't. God's waiting for you. To touch you. 
to drink from his fountain. Sit down. When you, as you need kansin for morani, you understand that English folk. If you don't have energy for tomorrow, you don't. Then you sit down. And you say, Lord, touch me, fill me. My cup is empty. All right. Second point. So we've spoken about love now. Second point is forgiveness. How are we doing with time? Okay, I'll finish in 15. So let's look at forgiveness. You know, we struggle to forgive ourselves and forgive others if we think we have to deserve forgiveness or earn it ourselves. Have you noticed that? If you really haven't tasted the love and forgiveness of God to its full extent, then you'll think, I can't forgive you. You need to earn my forgiveness because you think you need to earn God's forgiveness. Or you know what? You don't deserve my forgiveness because you think I don't deserve God's forgiveness. You're right. You don't deserve God's forgiveness. And you can never earn it. But he freely gives you. Scripture says freely receive, freely give. God, if you repent and you say, sorry, God, he forgives you. But when you, if you struggle to release other people from their guilt and their poking at you and their animosity, their ugliness, their sin towards you, then the chance is good. You struggle to receive forgiveness yourself. I'm going to make him pay and ignore him and show him that I'm upset and angry with him. How many of you have treated each other like that in this church? Come on, be honest. Look at them. Kyle is the only honest one. Come on, guys. Who of you have thought, I'm going to make her or him pay? I'm going to ignore them, and I'm going to show him upset with him, and I'm going to... Who's, who's done that? Come on, be honest. Own it. Half the church, Henry. Huh? Amen. Because we think they have to earn your forgiveness and deserve it. Because have you truly forgiven yourself? Have you truly tasted how much God loves you and forgives you? How complete His forgiveness is. Nothing you do can make you earn forgiveness more than what Jesus did on the cross. He was perfect. Even though you die for your sin, it will not be good enough because you have sinned. It had to be somebody with no sin that was good enough to pay for our sins. It had to be holy, a holy person. A sinful person cannot pay for anyone's sins. It's not good enough for God. God, he doesn't, he doesn't know sin. He's 100% holy, pure, loving, etc., etc. So you can add nothing. You can do nothing to forgive yourself. Except receive God's forgiveness and then you can forgive yourself. If somebody says to me, you know what, I can't forgive myself. Then I say to him, are you telling me that what Jesus did on the cross was not good enough? Because that's what he's saying. Am I right, Henry? Check me on that. <laughs> if I say I can't forgive myself, then I'm saying, God, your death on the cross, that sacrifice wasn't big good enough. How dare we say that? We can never, I know we don't think of it, and that's why sometimes we struggle to forgive ourselves. But if you really think what you're saying, no, I must forgive myself because the Creator, my loving Daddy God, loving Savior, Holy Spirit has forgiven me. We have to forgive others 
like God forgives us fully and completely and freely. Matthew 10 verses 8. It says there, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. I think we can apply this to forgiveness. God freely gives forgiveness, and he says, give it away. As you receive my forgiveness, freely give it away. The word forgive has got give in it. What must you give? Give mercy. Forgive speaks about giving. So, Satan will come to us and lie to us and say, you know what? That person doesn't deserve your kindness. Look how rude they were with you. No, no, no. Act in the opposite spirit. Spite your flesh and be Christ-like. Be like Jesus. Forgive. So, there's this powerful testimony of this very powerful preacher in America. And he shares the story. He says when he was newly wed, he once stood. I'm going to quickly step on your small little toe. But he's about, <laughs> I won't do it. And he stepped on his wife's little toe with his shoes. Like with all of his weight. And he's, I won't do it. And he's, a, I think he's about 130 kgs. Big guy. And he stepped on, and she screeched. She screamed. And he just said, I'm so sorry. I fell on his knees, and he kissed her foot. And he, he said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. He said to her, slap me, and you'll feel better. Slap me. And she said to, you, to him, are you mad? I've forgiven you. Why should I slap you? So, and he's a minister of God's word. So he feels he needs to what forgiveness? Earn. Guys, we don't realize. Because in our society, we grow up, you get something when you earn it. You get something when you deserve it. We've been brought up like this. What we sow, we reap. But with Christ's forgiveness, all we have to say is, I put my faith and I'm sorry. Godly remorse, godly sorrow, and you are forgiven. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to deserve it. You can never, you can never earn it. You can never deserve it. We're not good enough to earn and deserve it. That's why he gives it freely to us. This is a guy preaching the gospel. He's written 20 books today already. Well known. And he struggled with just accepting God's complete forgiveness. In the Lord's Prayer, it says, Father, forgive me my sins as I forgive those who sin against me. Forgiveness is not an option for Christians. If you do not want to forgive, you can't be a Christian. That's how serious it is. There's another scripture where Jesus says, if you do not forgive, I can't. You, you make it impossible for me to forgive you. But forgive so that I can forgive you. God wants to forgive us. He does. And I've seen many people where they've experienced God's forgiveness and then they take months or years to forgive someone that's done something against them because God is long-suffering. He's got patience for you to get around as long as you eventually do it. As long as you eventually come to a place where the forgiveness you've received freely, you can give out. Do not give up on forgiving someone. Battle. Beat your flesh into submission. Lord, I will forgive no matter, no matter what. That's the way God forgives us. I want to read this. The love and forgiveness we receive from God freely and undeserved, He expects us to give to friends, family, brothers, sisters in Christ, 
and even enemies. This is impossible for us if we have not first tasted it from the hand of our loving Father. We can't forgive if we haven't tasted His forgiveness. Impossible for us. And unless we've experienced from the hand of our loving Father, Redeemer, Jesus Christ, and gentle Holy Spirit. It is crucial to repent to God of our unforgiveness and of our own sin. And you say, sorry, Lord, I've, I've struggled to forgive so-and-so. Because that's a sin. Not to forgive is a sin. Say, sorry, Lord, I've not. Then, I want to read a few verses to us. We're not going to expound on them. We're just going to read them through, just that you can know some crucial verses regarding forgiveness. Ephesians 4.32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Listen to that. Be kind and compassionate, forgiving each other. Matthew 6.14. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Colossians 3.13, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Luke 6.37, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Yes, I've been catching myself. The Lord's really over our sabbatical saying, Mac, you're too judgmental. Work on that. And you're, in, you're entitled to work on that. Die to that, my son. So I've been working hard, but I can't do it without him. Without him helping me, I can't do it. Matthew 18, 21 to 22. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times, Jesus answered. I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Innumerable. And not on condition they apologize. It doesn't say if they apologize, you forgive them. You forgive them. Is it possible to forgive so easily unless we've really tasted His forgiveness for us? Is it possible? No. Is it possible to really forgive unless we've been smothered in how much He loves us? This has to be healthy for this to work out. All right. Then Mark eleven twenty five. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone... Forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive your, you your sins. If you stand and you have any grievance against someone, then say, Lord, I choose to forgive them. Let my choice in my mind, it's your problem to get it to my heart, but I make the decision now in my mind. Even though my heart's not agreeing with it. How many times is your mind and your heart conflicting? Just make up your mind. Say, Lord, I choose to forgive in my mind. I submit my will to you. Please, will you let it filter through to my heart? I give you, I surrender my will to you. Then Matthew 6, 15, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Proverbs 17, 9, whoever would foster love covers over an offense. But whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Proverbs 10, 12, hatred stirs up conflict, but love cover, covers over all wrongs. Love covers over a multitude of wrongs. Matthew 5, 23 to 24. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. So before you come and offer your gift of worship here in front or throw money in the altar or even just come, when you come to church and you see somebody and you have a niggly, go to them and say, listen, uh, 
I'm wrong. I'm sorry. I just want to say, I, I want to clear the air between us. You know, this and this, you did, but you know, I just realized it's my own problem. Another thing that I've realized, like basically very powerfully, two, three weeks ago, God just exploded. We were in hood spray, and it just came out. If I cannot maintain, listen carefully to this, if I cannot maintain a measure of the fruit of the Spirit, what are the fruits of the Spirit? There's seven of them. Love, peace, joy, kindness, patience, grace, self-control, gentleness, long-suffering. That's the fruit. If you cannot maintain a measure, not full, not 100%, a measure of the fruit of the Spirit while you are being poked or somebody's trying to offend you, then the problem is not with them, the problem is with you. The crack is yours. Because offense is not given, it is. Should I repeat that again? If I cannot maintain a measure of the fruit of the Holy Spirit while somebody is being chacha with me, or a situation is causing me crisis in my life, if I cannot maintain a measure of the fruit of the Spirit, the problem doesn't lie with that situation or with the person that's offending me. The problem lies with the cracks in my own life. We say Amen. Amen. We can actually say Amen as well. Ouch and Amen. That's not easy to be a Christian. It's not for sissies. It's the hardest thing you'll ever do. But with the power of the Spirit, you're able to. Not impossible. Okay. Last verse. Matthew 18, 15 to 17. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they, sin, if they listen to you, you have won them over. 